like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. Drop bone. Tomahawk, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Like To Movie Movie. My name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. And I was referencing Drop Zone, the mid-90s oh. actioner that I think stars Wesley Snipes or yes. like or like Jeff Speedman or something. I, I actually don't know. I have I, no clue. I think Wesley Snipes is accurate. And the only reason I know this is because I just listened to an episode of Screen Drafts where they drafted Wesley Snipes movies. Okay. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so I, I imagine Passenger 57... Uh, Made the list. Made it pretty high. Yep, oh, Drop list. Zone. So, yeah, Drop Zone is uh, Wesley Snipes. Uh, Gary Busey's the bad guy because, of course, he is. <laughs> yep. Michael Jeter's in it. And it's directed by John Badham, who did oh. War Games, Nick of Time, and one oh. of my favorites, Saturday Night Fever. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Short Circuit, which has some regrettable choices. It sure does. So, <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a fun movie to watch. I'll, I'll put it that way. What a fun movie to what watch. What a fun movie to watch. Yeah. Uh, boy, uh, I'm very excited about our episode today. Yeah, me too. So, uh, for the listeners, uh, of yeah. course, we invite you to like and subscribe uh, wherever we are found. Uh, definitely do do that and check out all of our shit. And uh, we have been working our way through the series, The Omen. Yeah. And so, anytime we have like a filler episode, we're like, let's let's knock off another Omen. So we did for this week's episode. A uh, movie that is, I think, officially just titled "The Final Conflict." Yeah, that blew my mind when I tried to. Omen three. It, yeah, Omen three. Yeah, it's a uh, it's on stars currently. That was how I watched it. Oh, okay, okay. So, and I knew that because I use justwatch.com. Uh, I don't know if you've ever used that, Dan, but you can just like I use it for everything. Everything. You throw I don't have stars though. Yeah. So I had to. I I did the three ninety nine Apple TV rental. Okay, sure. Which uh, I'm happy to have done because it was worth all four of those dollars yes, and yeah, a little bit agree. more than that. I would agree. Perfect four dollar movie. Yeah, yeah it, this uh, is worth three. Like it was three ninety nine. It was worth whatever the taxes come out to, and then the buck stops right there. It definitely feels like a good nineteen ninety seven VHS rental. Yeah, for like yeah. for like four dollars. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but uh, the the. I was like trying to find it and I knew it was on there because I used Just Watch. Just Watch was like, yeah, Omen 3, it's on Stars. So I pop onto Stars, I type in Omen, and I'm only getting Omen and the confusingly titled Damien, the Omen 2. And so oh, I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, okay, well, maybe it's that. Maybe it's like the subtitle is first. So I start typing in the final conflict, and then it comes up as just the final conflict. No reference to the omen on stars. It is just called the final conflict. Maybe that's like the title. Like, yeah. maybe this is one of those where it's, like, Legion, Exorcist 3, and then it just kind of became Exorcist 3. Right, right, yes. I, uh, yeah, I, I would believe that, because especially, yeah, I can't imagine people being like, is that a but now that I can't, Omen? Now I can't remember if I paid attention to what the on-screen title was. Um, I believe the on-screen title was The Final Conflict, but okay. I also don't know if there's an on-screen title. That might be true as well, actually. You're right. Uh, now, when I enter it into uh, into uh, IMDb, it is yeah. just the final conflict. Yeah, interesting. And so I think this is probably that's the official title. Which and then gen- like Omen Three is just tacked on on posters right. and stuff. Genuinely crazy that it is not referencing the title The Omen in some way, because it is for sure, without a doubt, 
the second sequel to the omen you know what i mean yes. like oh yeah it's, it's not like it's like trying to like maybe be its own movie but is sort of tied to the it is definitely the third part of the omen series we're running into you know like i mean this is certainly an entirely different thing but we had like you know mad max then mad max 2 was just right. the road warrior right right, you know, right so right. like that kind of thing so i think they probably were still trying to do something similar to that yeah, but it, I, I guess it got to the point where after it was released and put out on video, they were like, people aren't making the connection. Yeah. Can we just put that on the tape? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe that was the idea. Like, don't sell it as a sequel to The Omen. Sell it as its own movie, you know, because then we can sell it internationally. And, you know. Yeah. And, and it's I think that you can you can actually probably watch this movie in a vacuum and completely get what's going on. Totally. You just immediately know this guy is yep. demonic in some type of way. And so I think that, uh, yeah, it, it was probably, if I were to guess, it was just like a roll the dice of like, you know, we lose a couple people who don't get that it's the sequel. Um, but like, that's a small window of fans of the yeah, series yeah. that wouldn't get that. Yeah. And uh, but we we open the idea to people that go, I want to see a horror movie on Friday. Final yep. Conflict. Cool. Yep. You know, and wander in. I think that's what they're gunning for. That makes sense. And, you know, I would have if I watched it just in a vacuum, I would have come out with the same feelings that I have about I, it now. Probably. I completely agree. I we've talked about this on each of these episodes, but like I watched these on like a USA afternoon marathon at a friend's house one afternoon when I was young. And this is the one I remember most, I think. And I think that's kind of why it just like it just does kind of work as its own movie. So it's like it doesn't really necessarily need the context of the other Omen movies, even though it's like very explicitly a sequel to those movies it's all about the fucking daggers again and like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but yeah. like they give all the exposition yep. that you need in order to get there now this is my first time through with this one i don't believe i've yeah. seen any of this before whereas the others i know i had seen pieces of yeah i hadn't seen any of this before but i was always aware that it had sam neil in it yes because i remember just making the jurassic park connection when i saw this box at bnc video when i was a kid yeah um, and, and it's just funny because Jurassic Park is what he was first introduced to me in. Right. And now he's like one of my more favorite actors. And I look back and I go, oh, wow, he was like kind of like a little like B and art house horror darling for a couple of years. Yeah, I know. You know like, uh, I mean, Possession's one of my all time favorites and he's fantastic. He's twice in that. And uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's a little goopier. Um, but yeah, and so like this is this definitely felt of that sort of flavor of like, oh, yeah. Sam Neill, the guy who we know from a couple other horror yeah, movies. Yeah, I mean, not not to mention, ends up, you know, John Carpenter, people love mm. Event Horizon now, you know, like that yes. movie's yeah, kind yeah. of oh, yeah. Great example. Like he, you know, he definitely is, actually, I think on, and I actually, I got, I got a, I think it's on cinepunks.com, uh, uh, Justin, uh, Lore, I think is his name, ha has a, um, a series called This Just In, and he just put an article out today about Sam Neill as a horror actor. Oh, like right on. Treating him that way and looking at his career through that lens. Oh, well, shout out to Justin then. Yeah, yeah. I want to check that out because that, that was something that didn't click to me until I was watching this movie. I was like, he's actually in a, he's like kind of a horror dude. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting because I same thing. I never thought of him that way. I mean, even Jurassic Park is a horror movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, I did never really think of him that way, but I had the same thing while I was watching this. I was like, oh yeah, he just, because he, he's young in this movie. Like he, this Wait, was the youngest. he uh, Mouth of Matt? Into the Mouth of yeah. Madness was that him? Okay, yeah. yeah. I for, I always forgot whether it was that or like Prince of Darkness. I get those oh, two right, titles yeah. confused on movies. Totally, they're also like oddly kind of like sister movies. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, um, but uh, yeah, he he's so young in this movie. You know, I think this is the youngest I've ever seen him in a movie. 
uh, personally. I'm, he may he may have been in other stuff when he was younger. But like, so it was an interesting like. Oh, he's been doing this like all along. This is his whole career. You know, mm-hmm. not to so this is just that. Nineteen eighty one. He would have been. Oh, damn, dude, he would have been thirty four. Wow, <laughs> that is wild. Yeah. So yeah, this was nineteen eighty one. So this came. Is this before or after possession? Um. Shit, sorry. I must have bumped an ad and it like opened Amazon. Okay. <laughs> no, oh, you know what? I bumped the watch on stars button. Um, <laughs> so this uh so this is three years after the omen two. So then possession would be Oh, interesting. Okay. So this is were... the same year as possession. Wow. Interesting. Okay. That is interesting. Wow. So he wow. Yeah. So he does two, you know, uh pretty big horror. I mean, I I I guess this one is maybe lesser known, but I don't feel like it's like an unknown movie, you know? It's not an unknown movie. I mean, I, I think it's definitely regarded properly as yeah. just the most diminished returns on the, Middling, the series. Yeah, sure. Um, which, to tell you the truth, I, I didn't... I actually made a note. I wanted to say this right. Um, the problem with this movie is that it was exactly what I expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which... Is, it gave me everything I wanted. And I think it had some really metal stuff in it that I it do does. want to talk about. Yeah. But the, the first two Omen movies each surprised me in mm-hmm. subverting my expect, despite giving me generally what I thought they were. They each surprised me in a way that I, that I didn't expect. Um, this one did not surprise me in any way. <laughs> um, I think the only thing that surprised me was more of a smirk was when Jesus <laughs> arrived yes. at the end. But yes. <laughs> I was like, yep, okay, we're here. <laughs> I mean, this one is weirdly, and I don't even have like a lot of thoughts about this in particular, but this one is weirdly the most actually Christian of these three movies, I think. Yes. Uh, well, we talked about in the previous episodes that they use like Christian mythology. Yeah. Catholic uh, mythology, but they don't adhere to any of the actual rules outside of right. God, you know, there's the good and the evil, and Satan is the evil, and this is the son of Satan. You yeah, know, so yeah. like, yeah, this one and the church is involved. That's really as far as it gets. So this one does a couple interesting things with that. Where like the Bible verses in this one, most of them I think are like at least somewhat accurate translations of actual Bible verses. Where I mm-hmm. seem to recall in the other ones, they were literally like straight up making stuff up that would just like fit the crazy plot line that they were designing yeah, yeah, yeah. mythology, you know, there's Ezekiel 25, 17. Right. Yeah. And so like, I, you know, it felt a little more directly, especially then yes, with the ending, it, it gets pretty explicitly like it puts out postcards on the screen, like yeah. the postcards that you get at a funeral. Yeah. Uh, it's like what the final couple shots are with verses on the screen yes. in text and yes. vague biblical imagery happening. That was, that was, as I would say that was twice as blind as blind mowing. Wow, I'm tired. <laughs> that was twice as mind blowing as the silent baby murder montage. <laughs> Dude, okay, we got to talk about that. But first of all, write down yeah. blind mowing for yourself. <laughs> You're right. That is a smart move. Um, oh, shit. You got to you got to get to your whiteboard immediately and get that up there. Um, I, but I'm yes, going to do it right here. That blind was, uh, mowing. That was one of my notes as well in my quick letterbox review. It was just like, there's so much child murder in this movie. It's all off screen. It's yeah. all creepy. I mean, let's let's get there when we get there. Let's start yes. with a little bit of a plot thing. So uh, this is the third in the Omen series. This is billed according to uh, the IMDb that I'm looking at. It's the final conflict, the last chapter in the Omen trilogy. Okay. And now that remains true because it is the last chapter in the Omen trilogy, but then there's just a fourth one that happens later, which right. I believe follows a, another a member of the Thorn family, like yeah. a daughter. Which, so, 
Well, I guess we'll get to it if we're going to go through the whole plot. But I do. I'm curious if that is based off the ending of this movie. Yeah, I, I think that's probably what it is. I mean, he seems pretty like asexual outside of uh, creating an heir generally. You know, he's right. He's not well, a horny dude. It doesn't seem. And it seems like maybe in this movie he does create an heir. And that might be what the last line of the movie he says means. What's the last line? He says something to the effect of like. I, I don't know. You think oh, you've won. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. But some of the effect of like, you think you've won, but you haven't. But that's not it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like yeah. You, like you haven't won this battle or something like that. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So this was 1981. Uh, Dick Donner is still on as producer. Yeah. Uh, the director is Graham Baker, who is known. Uh, the only thing I can see in his filmography that is familiar to me is uh, Alien Nation. Okay. Which I've not seen. I just I, I'm aware of yeah, yeah. Uh, amazing stories that's in there. Okay, um, and that's really it. Like just a handful of other things. And this one is written by Andrew Birkin, who uh, I have not seen the movie Perfume, but that's one of my all-time favorite books. And like that movie. I would, yeah, I, I actually I have a DVD sitting somewhere. That that's when I have that book, dude. One day I'm gonna put that in your hands and you're gonna read Please. it. That is like it's exquisite. Please. Um, cement garden, the name of the rose, uh, burning secret, really nothing else of note but, that but I can see. Sort of an interesting screenwriter then, right? Like, Oh uh, yeah. You know, like, and I don't think, to, um, I think this movie has, for me, this movie has pacing issues, but otherwise I think it's like pretty good and interesting. Like, yeah. Know. Oh yeah. Oh wow. He was an assistant on 2001. So Andrew Birkin wrote it. Okay. So this came out three years after the, the second one and aims to end the series. So where we pick up now is Damien is an adult in his 30s yep. that is getting into politics using his wealth. Yep. And Interesting. A, oh, Dan. <laughs> is this a tale as old as time that there, just happens over and over and over? <laughs> there are so many moments in this movie and some weirdly specific ones. That I was like, this is happening right now. This is crazy. Yeah, it's and but I'm having the same experience as like as our uh, uh, what's what's the I, I want to use the proper word. I don't want to like hyperbolize or anything. But uh, as our empire crumbles, yeah. um, I, uh, I I watch older movies that that I used to regard as oh we're past that um, or regard as oh that was prescient, and now yeah. I just regard as oh it's just the same cycle on yeah. repeat. <laughs> Yes. And so the movies just get caught up in that cycle. Yep. And uh, but yeah, this one had a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, moments where I, I like grabbed my belly and went, ha, 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 I'm supposed to be escaping. <laughs> I know uh, one of the uh, one of the great choices, by the way, I think in his sort of rise to because he, you know, in the second movie, they imply that he's going to take over the Thorn Corporation, which he, you know, at the time, I believe in the second movie is when they introduced this idea of like they're trying to like basically create famine in order to solve famine right yes. as like yeah. and i'm saying that in quotes solve famine um because then they can make money off of the famine they're creating essentially um and obviously so this movie takes place where it's like yeah that has made him a tremendous like millionaire you know like he's made tons of money with the thorn corporation and they are now getting into politics and he literally asks for not just his father's position, which I thought was a nice nod to the first movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where he's going to become the ambassador to Great Britain, I believe. Is that yeah. the right? Um, but he also demands that he essentially be, become ha, get his own Hitler Youth under the yeah. United States uh, uh, presidency, kind of. Like, he demands of the president that he give him a position of 
what was it? It was it like was, it was something like that. But I mean, like they, it was like youth, you know, uh, you know, just a youth minister of something like something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, the the emphasis was definitely on the word youth because youth. it was supposed to yeah. purposefully be evocative of youth. And, and was, I was just like, oh man, yep. it's so funny how much every politician seems to crave having an army. Yep. And, and the movie isn't even, you know, I think the movie does some weird things where like, that's a very interesting idea that on one hand, it doesn't do enough with. Like, I wish there was actually a little, I would love to see more of this idea of the Satan youth, you know? I would agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause when he has like hordes of people that come up and chant with him, I was yeah. like, Oh, I didn't know that that was a thing he had. Right. Which is very yeah. cool. I love it was that. Super moment. cool. Yeah. And they do. But it was definitely just like I, I that came out of nowhere. I was like, oh, I guess that he just has this. Yeah. Yeah. And they specifically show us a lot of young people in that sequence, which I thought was really cool. You know, that reflects on this. But I do wish there was like a little more of that. But then on the other hand, we have the woman uh, and she's like a news reporter. I think her son ends up being like very specifically involved in the finale and and in through him you do actually get some like interesting kind of investigation of this idea of like a fascist leader you know sort of like uh creating positions of power for young people you know yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and how that feeds Flattering into them what with young power. people want yeah yeah yep yep i got the sense and this is in the text of the movie i i will ask you this question because it's always been uh, a question to me what the limits of damien's powers are yeah, because like sometimes it's like just like there's like it's the team preventing people from from stopping him. Yep. Other times it's like a final destination. He, you know, force ghost of death. Uh, and then other times he can like will damage upon people with his will. And there's always some mitigating factor in the movie that makes me unsure of the limits. And once again, it happened here where I'm going is he possessing these people? Is he, as evidenced as what we do in the real world, a cult of personality of sorts? Right. Is it a bit of both? And I kind of like that the movie doesn't answer that, but I am unsure whether the movie's even asking that. Yeah, I I'm with you. I think that the, in general, all three of these movies have very muddy internal mythology. Mm -hmm. Like, I, maybe I'm an idiot and just put this rule in place myself, but like, I swear to God, the first one starts with the idea that you need to stab him with all seven daggers in order to kill him. And by the end of it, it's like if he gets even nicked by any one of them, he's dead. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, I don't remember. Yeah, that's a good I, question. I could be wrong sure. about that, but it just it feels like the internal mythology of these movies in general is pretty muddy. And this one, like, kind of just lets it be muddy, you know, as you're suggesting, yeah, yeah. I think. Like, it just kind of lets it be muddy. And, and, I, and I think to some extent, you're right. It's like, that's in some way, that's better especially at this point in the series, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not been good about its rules in the first place. Oh, so It's a smart sequel in terms of, like, the same way the second one, the way that they managed to keep yeah. the story alive. I think this is a very smart way to do it. It's just yeah. the execution of that. But, but my, my question is, like, not even a question. Like, I think that this movie's using a good idea of making it ambiguous whether he's possessing followers yeah. or creating a very real just wave of popular appeal. If the movie chose to explore that with this ambiguity, I'd be like, this is fucking brilliant. Yeah. But instead, it's just kind of deconstructed. It's just there and not not investigated. Right. And I you. think that that's something that in the previous two movies, they would have like thought it almost feels like they didn't think to investigate it. Like it's accidentally there. Uh, and just it was designed originally just because they wanted to have a creepy scene where he's yelling, you know, 
monologuing at, at followers, but yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the question is. Well, and I'll give I, it the benefit of the doubt. I, I think it was considered. I just they don't really wrestle with it. I, I'm totally with you. I, I like I, I think that's very accurate that they kind of like open a box but don't actually look inside of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, sometimes that's the right choice. There's yeah. a lot of movies that I like because they don't investigate something and it puts me in a position where I think about it in in a proper way. Um, but well, I, was, I just I don't feel cued to do that here. I was going to say, I my only interpretation of this, and it's more actually coming from the previous movies, is I get the impression that like he any any quote unquote minions of Satan throughout these movies, I think we could call them right. Um, where and by them I mean specifically like the maid in the first movie, like the people that yeah, yeah. literally seem almost like living demons that are there to like protect him. I genuinely do think they are like not possessed people. Like I think they are literally like minions of Satan, right? Like whatever I that would believe that be, you know like whatever that might mean in in actuality where it's like i don't know are they like a demon wearing human skin i don't know but it, it you know I, I i in my mind those are just like quote-unquote minions of satan right yeah like there's no good left it's right. not a, a vessel yeah and, and so i don't know that I feel, pos- yeah i feel you i don't know that he's possessing those people but then that obviously doesn't explain certain events i do think that this movie gets into this idea that is maybe loosely touched on in the other ones where it's almost like those minions of Satan are are literally like like they're a protection bubble around him that yeah, now yeah. as an adult who is able to sort of like wield these powers more willingly as opposed to just like a child where it's just kind of happening to protect him. I kind of think there are certain scenes in this movie where he literally if you could imagine in like an Akira sense, he's yeah, almost yeah. Like creating a literal force field around himself, like a bubble of protection where if like somebody is going to try and attack him with a knife from a rafter in the moment it's about to happen. As long as he's like aware, suddenly everything goes into final destination mode to make sure that like, he's not going to fall victim to that. Does that make sense? <laughs> that makes perfect sense. And I, I have a note. I have a note that I wrote about that where I said that first assassin could not have fucked up worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause that's like, that was, that was the best part of the whole movie. But yeah. no, I think you're right. I think that is what it is. It just seems so weird to me that a movie that is so obviously has all the pieces to draw a parallel to the idea of like, we watch powerful people rise to power that are plainly and clearly evil or aren't evil, but are insidious. Like there's, there's such room for commentary there. And I feel like this, but by keeping these things ambiguous, it just goes, yeah, we're talking about that. Yeah. And then just doesn't seem to have any sort of like, and it doesn't owe me an editorial slant, but I think it owes me an investigation where it plays with that a little. And it it didn't. And it's weird because at the end of two, what is so scary about him taking power is, oh, this guy has actual real world non-magical power in addition to his magical power. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of becomes like wishy-washy here. In a, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not describing it right. But, no, no. Uh, I, I yeah. literally, I, I, I am he- totally hearing you. And I, I do agree with you that this movie has nothing to say about these things. At the end of two, when it's like, oh, the, you know, he's, he inherited fucking social power. Yep. Um, and you have that moment of like, oh, fuck. You know, like people were getting splattered before, but now he can, co- he's going to command armies. Yep. And, you know, and so this, I'm this just kind of lukewarms that idea. And it's, it's I, I really think they could have cooked it. I totally agree with you. It's like this movie has good ideas, but they are they are used almost exclusively for the purposes of making a blockbuster, which, mm-hmm. you know, it is interesting about this series that they are all kind of blockbusters. Like the first one, that was what surprised me the most. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's Dick Donner making a blockbuster horror movie, basically. Um, and it's, like, classy. And then the second yep. one's, like, blockbuster trashy. And yep, so yep. this one, the thing is, this delivered exactly what yep. the third entry typically delivers yep. if you follow the but cliche. That's I mean. you know? But you're right. It's, like, it's the hollow version of that, though, right? It's, like, this is just yeah. the blockbuster. It's stripped of all the actual, like, inherent meaning or, or investigation made of this. But what I was going to say is I do think there are examples of what you're talking about in the movie. Because there is this whole thing about the youth. And there is that scene where he calls them like the watch or whatever. And I I kind of got the impression that they are what you're describing, that these are not minions of Satan. These are not literally like sent from hell to like help him and be his army. This is the army he has amassed here on earth as like a a cult of personality. Yeah. People adore him. Yeah. Yeah. That was the impression I got of those people. And I think the most interesting thing in this movie in regards to this is his like assistant guy. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. Agreed. I, we got to talk about this. Guy. He's yeah. the only character that I I am not one hundred percent sure whether he is a minion of hell or just a guy that has decided I am on Satan is going to give me enough power that I am on Satan's side. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think the I movie think... is trying to delineate between these two things, and in that character, I don't know exactly which we are watching. I kind of think he's just a guy. I, I have a theory about him because I, yeah. I found him to be so interesting, too, especially when it gets into like his baby thing, yeah. which is nothing which is so fucking undercooked. Yes, like it just happened. And then it, I'm like, this could have been milked for like yep. this really. Honestly, this should have been two movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I really would like to see a building the army movie and yep. then the showdown between the rogue Avengers priests yeah. and, you know, which was fucking awesome. We have to talk more about that, but let's let's finish the point, though. Yeah, on. yeah. So, um, shit, I lost my train of thought. What were we just talking about? Uh, we were talking about oh god uh, um, oh the, the the assistant character oh okay yeah the biggest thing the, the yeah. assistant character I I had such a cynical view of him yeah I think that he is neither a satanist yeah yeah nor uh nor is he a demon man right I think that he's just a political opportunist yeah and I think that when uh damien confided him in him like there's a magical element to this mm-hmm. and i am you know the son i am the antichrist and blah 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 because he's very clearly savage all that yep. i think that guy was a political upstart who was just like yeah man whatever yes and let's yep. go you yep. know and just like whatever it takes i'm going to do the job and i i honestly think that that is the scariest option yeah he's like a lindsey um, graham character basically Every, yeah, I exactly of all these parallels throughout this whole thing yeah yeah and so, yeah, I think he's definitely just a, a political opportunist. He's a Wayland Smithers yes man through and through. Yep, I'm I'm with you. And so I do I'm I do agree that this movie literally has nothing to say about these things. Uh, but I wanted to sort of like actually uh, talk a little bit about like how it it does open a pretty interesting box of these things, and this is what they are. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, the, there that is interesting. I think I wish the movie had more to say about that or investigated it in any like I said, way. Plot-wise, this is the smart yes. angle to take yes. the sequel. I think this is the smart direction to move. Yep. This is a very compelling idea. Agreed. Um, I just think it. If and I'm speaking now with a 2020, 20, uh, wow, 2021, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> a 2021 mentality of like, yeah, split that Hunger Games up into two movies. Let's right, do it. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like this is certainly the kind of thing that it could have been for. But in 1981, conventional wisdom was trilogies trilogies yep. you know well and i'm with you though because i do i really want to talk about the priest avengers as you called them uh i think in my review i called them the monk assassins 
And oh, right on. <laughs> I, I am like, I am so into the idea that this movie initially presents, like when it first kind of opens this idea of like this, you know, this like small sect of priests that know about the knives and eventually are able to acquire them. And they sort of like assign themselves the task of assassinating the son of Satan using them. And in my head, I was like, this is like a fucking cool, like Tarantino setup. You know what I yeah. mean? Like the, the seven monk assassins versus Satan. And it should be a movie that is just that. It should yeah. be a movie that is these that guys. That be part four. Yeah, it should be these guys having to come together in like a big Ocean's Eleven style plan to like, you know, outwit and and corner Satan so that they can all get him with the knives. You know what I mean? And instead mm. it's this like dumb haphazard one at a time and then, like, it's so weird. Yeah, they, like, and there's, like, this weird, cheap, undercooked romance that, like, I like where that's going. But I just, at no point, not that I'm supposed to believe Damien's a romantic, because he's clearly not. Their one sex scene is is uh, utilitarian at, at best. Listen, um, this might just be because it's Sam Neill, but I have got to tell you, he is sexy Satan. Like, this oh, movie yeah. is all about sexy Satan for me. He, and, well, the, I, I think that we're supposed to see the appeal that he yeah. has to people. He is this, this, uh, it's weird because he plays it cold, but he's a passionate yes. being and you see the passion. He's actually quite, he's I thought he was he's really, movie, really good at this. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, got, I think across the board, the performances are actually wonderful. I, I, I was pretty pleased with all of them. That scene uh, chewing him monologuing to a statue of Christ. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I wrote, uh, uh, where is it? Uh, I love the idea of him praying to Satan. Sam Neill just delivering an anti-Jesus monologue at statues. <laughs> it's, it, it is honestly, that should be the dumbest shit in the world. And it is such an engaging five minutes of this movie. That like, was I, a long segment too. Yes. Like that is, you read that in a script and that is every actor's greatest dream and worst nightmare. Cause it's yep. cheesy as fuck. Yep. It's, you know, there's no way you're not looking like a fucking Chris Gaines music yep. video. And you're just, it's, yeah, it was... I really genuinely think he sells that. Like, that scene works, like, really well. It's actually one of the more compelling scenes in the movie, I think. Oh, yeah, undoubtedly. No, but I, I agree. Like, he does do a sexy Satan thing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also don't see him, like, his attraction to this woman is not one of anything, but she is a, a piece of the puzzle. You're right. And actually, yeah. you're bringing up something that I didn't even, I thought about while I was watching it. And you're now helping me like connect a dot, which is like there is another very interesting idea that this movie does nothing with. And it's like a small kind of throwaway moment where Damien kind of references like, oh, it's when he's hanging out with her son for the first time with the boats. And he goes like, oh, well, he gave me a very special gift, too. It's it's like a rare thing to get to be a boy again. For a yeah. Time. Yes. And he like what an interesting wording. He like he implies that like his childhood was robbed of him by finding out that he is the son of Satan. Right. That like he did not get to have a normal life and that maybe part of this, like his fulfillment of the prophecy about him is that he was told he is the like it's the Anakin Skywalker thing is that like he was told that he is this thing and is special and is. Yeah, yeah. I do think we're meant to believe he's magical and he actually is the son of Satan, blah, 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 blah. But it, but it, it loosely opens up this idea of this like regrettable past, this like this loneliness that he ends up fulfilling his own prophecy because of in some way, if that kind of yeah, makes yeah. sense. Well, no, it makes perfect sense. Cause that was the one thread that I always wish they explored in the later seasons of Dexter. 
Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Which is, was he created by his father, or was mm-hmm. his father mitigating a maniac? And it was something that they always toyed with, and then they just shat the fucking bed, and then they yep. wiped the shit on the walls and wrote <laughs> terrible things in it. And um, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm like still mad because I there was more, but and I'm gonna fucking watch it. Ah, Dude, why? Clancy Brown. Did you hear that announcement? I, yeah, that's that's. I mean, Sold. I'm just, it, it could be anybody, and I would yeah. watch it. If they're like, the bad guy's Guy Fieri. Actually, yeah. that would make me really want to watch it, because I love that man. Yeah. But, um, I've only seen that the first line, season, though, that, by the way. But. Oh, man, it's, the first four are real good. Yeah. And then they set up an amazing fifth season, and then they don't do it. They just do, like, five more seasons that just mm-hmm. crash and burn. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like one of those where, like, most of the time I was watching it, I was like, I'm actually kind of embarrassed for the people in this yeah. right now. I, I, yeah. I hate feeling that way. Yeah. But, but I, think, uh, that... I think the idea of lonely Satan connects to your idea of like, is he actually sexy Satan or is this like, you know, a, a part of this puzzle piece thing, right? It's Where in he... his toolbox. Yeah. He knows, yeah. he knows what it is. Uh, yeah. But I do think that uh, th- that line where he says, you know, I get a chance to be a boy again. That's a, that's a two fisted line because on the one hand, yes, I do think you're right that he's saying like, you know, I never got to play. Yeah. I can do that through him. But he's also saying like, I think that's a little bit of, you know, we tie it to that last line where he says, you know, you haven't won any battle, yeah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, because the understanding implicitly of all of these characters, be it the Antichrist or the Nazarene, as they call it, <laughs> is that I am the Antichrist. But if I'm not, I will inspire the next one. Right, you know, right. and like, and so I think that that's something that's kind of always built into sort of like the faith mythology. Yes, um, I mean, fuck, it's Batman. It, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's you know, I'm gonna, I might not be the guy who saves Gotham City, but I will be the guy who tried hard enough to represent good. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I will be Jesus, or I will represent bad. And so, like, I think that it's a little bit reliving his youth and a little bit of him being kind of smart enough to understand, like. There's two prophecies mm-hmm. with two polar opposite endings. Mm-hmm. One isn't so good for me. Yeah, I believe in my prophecy, but that's only so, that's only good until yep. the end of it. Yep. So I, you know, I, I I like that line because he's also saying like, no, I'm also making sure there's me as a boy again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to take my place. That's yeah, that's that what I sense. mean to say. That makes sense. Um, but but once again, that's a thing that the kid was evil by the time I realized that was a thread they were playing. Right. Yeah. And so that's an, another amazing, compelling thing where they could develop this other character yeah. so that the stinger of the credits could be this kid, you know, exists yeah. or, you know, whatever it is, but yeah. I don't know. Another undercooked idea. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of kind of like good ideas in this movie that, that, you know, are just kind of left on the table. I think mm-hmm. my favorite one is the monk assassins. Like I wish that that was a, more than what it is. Cause like, what it, it's so clumsy in the movie, actually, because like we see this great setup scene of them like all vowing together to do this thing, and then the one guy goes to the TV studio and fails, and suddenly they're having conversations about like, oh my god, we failed. What are we gonna do? What do you mean? What are you gonna do? You only sent one of the seven of you. You already promised. You like I thought you expected to fail. Like if you're yeah. only sending one, all seven of you pledged to do this. Like. What's going on? You know, it's just like it's very clumsy. It's like I don't know. It's like it's no, I feel you. It I I think it would have been cooler because like I I was a little bit scared of Damien in terms of like yeah. you know we see real world analogs to him too regularly, but also you know I think the movie made his brand of evil and power grabbing uh, terrifying, 
And yeah. I think in order to match that, these other guys have to be a formidable force. Mm-hmm. So that what we're watching is a battle between yes. good and evil. And like they were never formidable enough yeah. for me to believe. Now, granted, of course, the ending involves her killing him and not yeah. the, uh, you know, which I think sort of mitigates that. But I don't know. I think you're right. Like, I, I want that movie where these guys... because. When we went through the intros of each of them, I was like, yeah. oh, cool. They're showing me each of their faces so that I can follow each of yeah. their stories. And then instead of following their stories, it was more <laughs> like a slasher where I just needed to yeah. know their faces so that I could watch them die, which appreciated. To- totally much appreciated. Fine. Yeah. But it just seemed like such a missed opportunity. Yeah, it just feels like a missed opportunity. I mean, that's one of those things where it's like I'm expecting something the movie was never planning on delivering. Yeah. It's like a little bit my fault, you seemed- know? The the first two movies, I feel like what they showed me is that I the third one would deliver on such things. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's what I think is the disappointment is that now that I've been trained to not trust these movies to be plain by the first two movies that are not plain. Right, right. Uh, for this one to be just kind of plain in that regard, I was like, ah, you know. I know. I, I really thought you were going to hook me, and instead I'm just like having a sweet time with it. And and know. I do. I think you're onto something with the should be two separate movies thing, just in the sense that like. You know, uh, the priest plot line and then the second coming of Christ plot line feel like too many plot lines for this one movie, right? It's like the priest thing ends up not being as interesting as you want it to be because we have to get to all this. Well, they're not actually the end game anyway. The actual war is between him and him and the second coming of Christ. And that makes sense to me, actually. Like, yeah, of course, that's what this is actually building to the Antichrist versus the Christ. You know, like that is an interesting idea, I think. But like then why are we even doing the priest thing in the first place? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't need, then I don't need that plot line. It's like, it's just one too many things. That we could have spent do. a movie just developing his rise to power. Yeah. Yep. Making him fucking terrifying. Yep. And then the end of that movie, we get introduced to the, you know, like maybe throughout the movie, we have that opening montage of those blades just being shipped. And yep. so throughout the movie of Damien's rise to power, we just get a piece of that montage of different people obtaining the swords of Megiddo. Is that what they're called? The Oh, maybe. I, I don't know. The cocktail straws. Yeah. And, uh, and so then, yeah. And so uh, pepper that in. And then at the end of the movie, we have all of those assembled. Yeah. And we meet. And then, boom, cut it off. Fourth movie, we've got the priests. And it's like, we have to stop him. He is way too powerful. Getting these things took too long. Let's make a plan. Yeah. Cue the smooth Soderberghian jazz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then everyone gets to work. Yep. Casey really, Affleck's I, job is to be a distraction. I wanted that so bad. I really wanted it to be the 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 monk assassins versus Satan movie, like so so bad. What's crazy is if someone said to me, like, what's a cool old horror movie you'd like to see remade? This is a great answer, but it would yeah. involve like, but you gotta get there because yes, this is the third movie. But you know, if we just made a movie called The Final Conflict, yeah, that was a you know because this movie was like hour 45. Yep. I think we could actually probably do it in 215. Uh-huh. And and remake it nowadays and just tell the story of the final conflict. It doesn't have to be Damien. It could be any fucking guy who's the yeah, antichrist. Yeah. So yeah. we get that vacuum idea. I think it could be great. Yeah. I just I just think here it's, you know, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. I, I agree because I did enjoy this movie. Like I, the, the, I, we are, uh, I think, uh, definitely being, um, uh, very critical of this movie and rightfully so, but I did enjoy yes. this movie. It's, it's like, it is a pretty, it's still a pretty fun, you know, weird, uh, Christian horror. Movie. It's very weird. Yeah. Um, the opening scene where, uh, the guy whose job Damien is taking, 
uh, is magically eliminated by uh, him deciding to set up a Saw-style suicide trap yep. triggered by the entrance of the press. Yep. Exquisite. Yep. Oh, what a delicious meal. I know, and I gotta say, unfortunately, kind of the only, you know, successful, big, crazy stunt in the movie. And, and well, you know... I- Go ahead. You're forgetting about the flaming monk that swung through a TV Holy studio God, you're right. I am forgetting about that. That was but incredible. I would say that those are the only two, and the yeah. other movies certainly delivered much more on that front. Yeah, yeah this has that whole weird, like, uh, dog hunting sequence. I, I really liked the way that was shot. It was just a yeah. strangely long scene, but I actually made a note to ask you, because I said beagles are a horrifyingly cute way to die when they rip the. Does that feel? Does that hit different now that oh, you yeah. have the a whole, beagle mix in your house? The whole time we were watching it, we were like, "Oh no!" Like it was, like, <laughs> it was pretty bad. But it's also, you know, it's like such a long sequence and does not feel like the sort of classic omen, you know, tight setup to sort of like crazy finale kill. It's yeah, like yeah. a really weird, long over drawn out sequence i think it's very weird i did like though um i like the showdown on the bridge yeah. because that's a moment where it's like damn they got him and yeah. then no, no. Yeah. you know um and, and oh he does I, have I do... that great line there right what does he say like get him or whatever right oh um uh, I take forget. them or something like that i think it might be take them yeah. that actually reminds me too uh more proof that i think he sees the woman as a tool for uh, yeah. uh, reproduction, reproduction yeah. is when he has her fall into the river and then he saves her. Yes. Um, he doesn't save her because he loves her. He saves right. her because he realizes like, I might not win this thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, her son is around, but I actually need like a blood air. Yeah. I wrote down a line. I forget. Uh, I think it was the assistant that said it. I loved the way he delivered it. He was on the phone with somebody, uh, basically saying like, we got to kill these babies. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, listen, Peterson, I don't give a shit how you feel about this. Just do the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. like, that's a great way to get someone to murder a baby. Yeah. Which, I, there is an entire montage of baby murder in this movie. There, this is where I, now, I loved the baby murder montage. Because it was smart in the ways it didn't show the baby yes. murders. Yes, And it was done in, like, each segment was really, really unsettling. Yes. Um. The fir- let's see, the first one was... The baby carriage, the first? First one was the baby carriage where she gets hit in the head with a kickball over the fence yeah. and the and it goes down the street and gets hit by a car. Yep. Uh, the second one is someone just answers the door and there's two Boy Scouts there that just say, we're here to do our good deed for the day. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. So it's suggested that they just throw a baby, because they're on the second floor and I think yeah. that's on purpose. It was shot the way. It's suggested that they just spike a baby over the, the porch, Michael yeah. Jackson style. The third one was the priest doing the baptism. Oh, God, This yes. was the piece of high cinema in this movie, if you ask me. Yes. It is just this a baptism. so creepy. And he turns towards the camera with the baby, dips the baby below the frame, and we don't see what he's doing. But he's just kind of monologuing and doing the prayers. But he's getting like a re- – what a performance. Yes. And he gets more and more demented, and then he turns back to hand the baby to the, uh, uh, to the okay. mother – yeah. And we never see the baby. Nope. We just see the mother looking the horrified. Shot. Yeah. And then there's the uh, the baby that I guess was premature in the hospital. Right. And uh, someone comes in and uh, I forget what they do. Do they? Looks like they just like turn all the oxygen off to like 
right? Am yeah. I thinking of the right one? I, yeah, I think just turns off the, the dials. So, like, really unsettling stuff. They never actually show the damage to the baby. Right. But it opens up a weird logical hole in the movie that bothers me. Okay. Is that when the priests are saying, look at this. All these babies, like, all the newspeople are being like, these babies mysteriously died. There was 17 that died, blah, blah, blah. They don't mention that at least four were very clearly and explicitly <laughs> murdered. Yes, like right. they, they made it seem like oh, a spate of yep. of just random accidental deaths right. made coincidental by the fact that they happened on the you same know, to babies day. that have all been yep. born on yep. the same same window. But instead, like nobody mentions the fact, like yeah, well, this one was hit by a fucking car. Yeah, uh, this one was thrown off of a porch by two children. Yeah, this one was drowned by a priest or ripped to shreds. We don't right. know uh, by at a baptism. Like right. that was a weird logical hole that I just kind of like, <laughs> but, <laughs> but didn't care because that baby murder montage was like oh. a moment of high and very dark art amidst a, a mediocre movie. I for some reason cannot remember the context of what I'm about to say. But it blew my mind that that wasn't the only. There's also that thing where they're like somebody sees like the burnt up husk of a baby. Yes, that you was later. Um, that was the the uh, assistant's uh, child. Right. Because remember the the priest came to visit her because there was the question of why was a priest here for an hour. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And she's yeah, like, yeah. no, I actually looked in the paperwork myself, and yeah. I know. And she like believes that. Uh, but then she, I guess because she is now someone who's going to stand in the way of Damien right. gets that weird possession where they want to destroy yep. something. Cause that yep. is definitely a thing that is in all parts is yes. that there is an otherworldly force that can kind of do anything, possess you, move you, do yep. whatever yes. that if you choose to resist Damien, which oh, this is why they need to milk the monk story because you yeah. can play with this. Um, but yeah, if you, and so as soon as she chooses to resist Damien, she suddenly yes. starts deciding she needs to burn her child yeah. and she envisions it. And then I believe does it, does it? I know. I couldn't believe that. Like, cause the baby murder montage was like wild, you know, but like you said, it has this kind of classy touch of like never really showing us the like violence to the, the babies. And then all of a sudden we're looking at a fucking burnt out husk of a baby. Later the thing the is movie. though. They very smartly make that her imagination. Yes, of it. they do. Yes, they yes. don't show the yes, the full thing correct. of it. You're correct. Um, I mean, we're splitting hairs. We're splitting yes, babies yeah. here. But yeah, at yeah. the same time, I think that does agreed. The make context it, matters. And, yeah, well, it makes like a uh, it just hits different that way. Yes. If we were watching this burned baby, we'd be like, oh. But when you see it in the context of a nightmare, you go, oh, spooky. And yeah. then later, when when the dad walks in on it. We, know we don't need to see it because yeah. we have that image. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like, there's a lot of really smart directorial choices. I yeah. think all of my issues with this movie are that it doesn't unpack itself and it's got a couple of wonky pacing. Uh, yeah. Things. That's the thing. I, th I think the pacing is kind of off. Like I, I'm not even, I am with you that this movie has so many undercooked ideas and that is like a frustrating aspect of, of this movie. Also I, a fun aspect. Yes. I was going to say, I, I could actually think be on board with this as its underexplored self if it were like 15 minutes tighter you know what i mean yeah. like it just it's got some pacing issues where like i'm starting to like it, it introduces an idea that i'm starting to get into and then it just kind of drifts away from it and then mm -hmm. it eventually gets to another idea that i'm like back into again and then it kind of drifts away from that and like it just like continually like loses my interest kind of over and over yeah. again throughout yeah i found that happening and then when it got to the end it did have that feeling of like 
oh, okay, this is the, this is going to be the last scene. Right, right. Um, yeah. You know, usually you can track when you're like, okay, we're at the climax. When yeah. it got there, I was like, oh, okay, so that's yes. the with the knife. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. You know, totally. I, I believe it. But yeah, I definitely got there and was, Ugh. and then then you go to wonder, like, why did we need five minutes of a fox hunt yes, before exactly. we actually did anything with the blood? Which beautifully shot. It is, and I, I actually but, learned how fox hunting is is done yeah. a little better than than I you know knew before. I did so think- it, it was a great sequence. It's just it, it's kind of a big old doorstop right in the middle of the movie. Very weird idea. I did. I mean, we don't have to get too into the weeds on fox hunting, but I did. I was I, 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 at first when the sequence started, I was like, oh, I don't think I know how fox hunting works. Like this will be interesting to learn how it works. And then they kind of like set up this idea of like whoever catches the first fox or whatever, like. I don't know. There's like this whole idea of like the people on the horses, I guess, are trying to catch foxes. But then it's like hundreds of dogs at the same time all run together towards it. So it's like I didn't really know like what the race of it all was. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, yeah. How does it? What? Do, what do we even do? We, like I the think dogs that are the dogs the are meant to rustle the foxes, and then right. you shoot the foxes, and then the dogs retrieve the corpse. But right, but like, the, but I, but that's the, what I'm like, intuiting. <laughs> am I wrong that there were like 35 people on horses when it started, and yeah. by the end, it's like there's two people near the fox, and it's like, what are you guys doing? It's a pack of 50 dogs. How did you lose them? Like, yeah, it's well, no, no, the uh, the dogs were let off off track. Okay. Oh, right. The, yes, yes. True. The one guy got the, the oh, yes, fox yes. corpse. I never understood why he had to have a live fox first. Me neither. It, that was a weird one, but it made sense to me. I did appreciate him catching the live fox because that's how the movie taught me that they use the dog to scare the fox yes, out of the hole. Yes, but I agree on a large scale, I, it is by I fucking. Like, I was like, I, I don't have know no what's clue. happening. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, okay. Yeah, I literally had the thought where I was like, man, England is fucking wild, yeah. <laughs> which is such a weird <laughs> ethnocentric thought to have about something. But that was the thought I had. I, I'm with it you. Was, I was uh, like, this is it, it, it. You know, actually struck me watching that scene was just like, I've actually seen do- like fox hunts in like multiple movies, and for some reason, only now is it occurring to me like. What the fuck is a fox hunt? Yeah. Like, what is this? I had this cogent thought in the middle of the movie. When that happened, I went, okay, so like the fox and the hound, the yeah. reason it's weird that they're friends is because they're not supposed to be friends. Right, yes. I'm like, I'm sure that's in that movie, but the last yeah. time I saw that movie, I was no lie, probably three. Yeah, So, <laughs> Which was 33 years ago now. Yeah. And uh, I've lived 11 times that plus one more, so 12 times that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was... It was uh, that was the fastest math I ever did to do, um, but yeah, that was just a, a thought. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, fox, and, uh, but and I'm like, okay. and then I was thinking about the movie Foxcatcher, and I was yeah. trying to apply it to that, and I was like, I gotta watch that again, but I don't want to watch that again because it's really bleak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just having a, a whole thing. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I, I wish that this movie were better, but I don't even know what that means. Right? It's like either it's smarter about what it's doing and is like exploring some of these ideas more. Or it just cuts out like 15 minutes to Chuffa and like is just a tight like 88 minute, you know, like thrill ride. You know what I mean? If I were to guess, I think it probably the production probably just ran up against the limitations of the production of a late stage third entry in a movie that doesn't really feel like it has franchise appeal. It's certainly not cranking out, you know. Halloween's or you know Friday the Thirteenth or anything like that, so I think it was probably like they went in with big ideas and just kind of scaled it to where it needed to be to to get done, 
And so in that, in that, it's respectable as hell. Um, And so I I am of the belief that I think more time would have served this movie. Yeah. Or if we're going to go less time, then it needs a reworking of the plot so that it's just like simply trashier. Yeah, yeah. You know that yeah, it just it, has different. It has different goals. Satan movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's a way to do both, but you know, I, I just think in terms of, it's very clear that whoever made this went in with big ideas, mm-hmm. and and that is almost that's more than you get with a lot of things. So yeah. you know, and, it's that's it's pretty cool. And I do think that the um, you know, it's a pretty good looking you know for a third entry in a franchise that I think is ultimately maybe you know these I gotta imagine by the time you get here they're probably not putting a lot of money into these like yeah it's exactly another, it's another good looking movie I think it looks know? good I think it it plays a little bit with like the visual aesthetic of the series there yeah. is a sort of soft focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's the word almost like a pastel soft focus look to the general color palette yeah. that is very strong in the first one um, the second one does like pump up the reds a little bit to, to be yeah. more like of a genre entry and so like a lot of that is here um, but this definitely feels like it just feels more soapy mm-hmm. um, but but I like that I like that they yeah, have too. their own style but still play in within the house uh, thing so yeah it looks good yeah. And, and I think there is an arterial stamp there, um, you know, even one that may be compromised by franchise. Right. Yeah. Hey, you know what detail I wanted to talk about just because I've always found this like really, really fascinating. And I maybe you know about this, but I don't know. So he references at one point the Apocrypha. Are you familiar with what the Apocrypha is? No. So the Apocrypha is a real it gets referenced in movies all the time. And movies the term are- sounds familiar, but I cannot place it. Movies always kind of use it as just like, oh, the the kind of like lost books of the Bible, like what they don't want you to know about the Bible, the lost books of the Bible. And that's like a real thing that like is pretty weird and crazy, which is that like, you know, we have like the four, uh, uh, you know, the new the New Testament starts with the letters of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Right. Yes. Yeah. There are like other letters from other disciples of Jesus that could have been in the Bible. But there was like a meeting at some point in the Vatican, you know, hundreds of years ago now. I don't remember. And it's got a name. I can't remember what it is. They're they, like, we wanted to include the text of Craig. But uh, Craig, you haven't really been watching yourself on Twitter. So uh, right. we, we're not going to be able to publish. I'm sorry, Craig. Well, that's it literally <laughs> is that they literally have all of these ancient texts and they decide what the quote unquote canon of the Bible is at this meeting. And that the Bible that we all know and read and blah, 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 like it is this collection of, you know, sort of historical documents that this one organization at one time, hundreds of years ago, decided this is the canon of the Bible. There is other stuff that they considered to add to it that they chose not to. And that is the Apocrypha, which is like wild. And it's got all of these other stories about Jesus in it. Some of them kind of conflict with some of what's written in the, you know, quote unquote published Bible. It's, it's got very, Abbott and Costello meet right, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's I know that uh, like correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, like Judaism, the Torah is essentially the Old Testament. Right. But to them, New Testament would be Apocrypha. Yes. Yes. Uh, to some degree, you know, yes. maybe not the Apocrypha, but it would no, yes, be of yes. that that category yep. because they don't believe in the divinity yep. of Christ. They they uh they refer to that as apocryphal, right? These are apocryphal yes, yeah. texts. Oh yeah, that's and that's, that's the what phrase. Mean. Whenever yep. uh, big in the true crime world, where people are like some people say that he killed this many people, but that is apocryphal. Of yes, course, it, of course, yeah. And it, so it's, it's it's used as a term. It's information that exists and quote unquote is like 
not ver- not verified to be part of the canon of the story. Basically, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Um, but it's always been crazy to me that that is like legitimately a real thing. There are these like other books that could have been included in the Bible, some of which like say different things than what we consider to be the verse that people have literally whole countries have been built on. You know what I mean? Like that's uh, wild. It, yes. it, I mean, it's it's a, I yeah. mean, I could go on for that forever. Yeah. You know, but anyway, every, just... every stir we te- we hear is a, a little bit shaped by, you know, the teller. Of course, of course, yeah. I just, um, I've always thought that was like really, really interesting, and I, you know, this movie gave me an opportunity to bring it up. Yeah, the um, I, I wanted to bring up too. One thing that they tied in that I've always enjoyed about religious ephemera is the tying it into outer space. Because you know, if you ask me, someone who uh, I wouldn't say I'm like of faith. I think there's a spiritual element to existence, but like science is really what I'm going to act and live by. Yeah, space fucking blows my mind to even think about i will sit for an hour and just like ruminate on space and get myself upset it's the weirdest and it's just it is unfathomably completely not understandable which is what typically the hole that religion fills is that that shred of doubt where we go we can't know this but it's something that i would i would i desire to know um, so you have to fill it in with these with these stories and beliefs and whatever and hey, you know, no judgments, whatever. But like tying that to space makes perfect sense. And I love the idea of like a Vatican astrologer who yep. is tied in with these. Once again, this speaks to the the awesome kick ass monks movie. Yes. Um, you know, they <laughs> we gotta hack into the monk main into the monk frame. <laughs> and um the uh I'm gonna, I'm gonna program 15 Hail Marys. Yeah. And uh, Tony but yeah, I, just, I really like He's the, like, I, yeah. I, heard the, I heard I'm on call. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, what a, what a great thing to tie in. I thought that was really fascinating and fun and is such a great plot element. Yeah. And uh, I, I actually thought that was handled pretty well. Yeah. Well, you know, that to me is another kind of false starter thing where I it, literally when that scene started, oh, it's I, just a detail. Exactly. And, and yeah. a good one. And I'm with you. Actually, this one works better as set dress. It, like, this this is one of the more successful moments of like I understand that it's set dressing when it happens. There's yeah, like yeah. a lot of other stuff that feels like they're starting a plot, and it turns out it's like just more set dressing. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like this one didn't feel like it was going to be a plot. Like I right. don't think there was going to be a race to hack into the telescope yes, or anything. Yes, right. It was more just we want to show you how otherworldly the, yeah. the connotations here are. It's bigger than us. But I did and say through that, space is a great way to effectively communicate totally to the, someone like me. You know? I did say to Tori when it started, I was like, "Oh God, I love this. This is like what I love about knowing. I love movies that yes, are yes, you know, paralleling you know the the." phenomena of science around us and the phenomena of spirituality and going like is one just explaining the other does one require the other are Mm. they the same are they different are they two different ways to explain the same phenomena you know what i mean like i love that stuff and i was a little miffed that the not miffed but because again i think the movie does a good job of it's not trying to tell me this is a plot element but as soon as it was introduced i was like oh yay and then it was like oh shit that's not what this movie's about (laughs) you know what i mean space demons yeah I was like, oh, good. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, I feel you. I, I don't know about. what plot thread I want from that. Exactly. But I yeah. want that plot thread, but yeah. I don't think it would have been at home here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. But like, that is something that, yeah, I had the same feeling where I was like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I actually started to get sort of vibes of like Exorcist sequels where it was yes. like, oh, they're really just like trying to have fun with this mythology. Yes. But it, you know, it is what it is. Let me see if I have any other notes that I Please. wrote down. 
um, uh, the, the score was great again. I don't know if it's just oh, I don't know if they've uh, been recycling. Yeah, but I don't know if they've been recycling his music from the first one over and over, or if oh, there's like yeah, new yeah. stuff every time. I'm not really sure. I know but that it, the choral, the yeah. Blah, 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 yep. that was different. Um, okay, cool. I, because I remember the ones from so previously. Maybe... As for the regular music, I, but like I, I listen to the Manfredini scores for yeah. the Friday the Thirteenth slot. Yeah. I really love those, but like a lot of them are just oh, leaning on the same material, Variation and sometimes like is the same material. Yep, 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 yeah. Uh, Rocky, Bill Conti, he's got it a lot. <laughs> um, oh, I wrote this down. Uh, when he's when he first meets when Damien first meets the uh, the uh, um, journalist, he's like, "Oh, did you know that the, these dogs marked marched with the Roman army two thousand years ago?" And he had a really good line that I just thought was clever. He said, "They're as old as sin." Well, yeah, yeah, I know. Yes, and that just really tickled me. I enjoyed that. Um, there, there were some clever pieces. Like I said, it's like it's not a bad script. There's a lot of good ideas in here, and I think some good dialogue. There, there's yeah, there's some good really moments. good dialogue. Um, yeah, like that one. That listen, Peterson. I don't give a shit how you feel about yeah. this. Just do the job. Um, oh yeah, I liked uh, the question that uh, that uh, the journalist asks. Uh, oh no, sorry, uh, not the journalist. The question that the uh, I think it's the priest. The priest asks the journalist um, she, you know, when he's like, you, you know, Damien is is the son of Satan. He's blah, 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 and doing right. all that. And she's like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. Yeah. I need yeah. some proof. And he's like, you may know the man, but do you know his soul? Yeah. And I really loved that line because as someone who just lives with a level of cynicism that I'm not proud of and trust issues that I'm not proud of. That Uh is a question I'm constantly asking myself about other people and constantly refusing to ask about myself. And so it just like, it, it really, it was one of those things where I was like, Oh man, that, that just bookmarked a piece of self betterment. I got to work on. That's interesting. But uh, but what a great idea though, because that is once again, if this was a much more, spread out movie about his rise to power that would be the question we would be asking about damien as he becomes politically relevant is well yeah this guy's obviously charitable and he's doing all this the man on screen is is great do we know his soul right do we know what his motivator is is his motivator altruistic and so like you know and that is a question that i think is is something that's always important to ask um and i would have loved to see that fuel some more thematic stuff in this movie yeah, I mean, I think, uh, again, it's like that That uh, probably works pretty well, actually, in the movie that is just the final conflict and not the, you know, third or second sequence yes. to the omen, right? Because we're already aware that Damon is quite literally the son of Satan, we never really get to really even think about or explore, like, does any of his charity matter in any other, yeah. right? We, we just know it's for evil purposes right off the bat, you know? Well, and it's a question that I think we're all conditioned to ask of leaders in this world is, okay, they did a good thing. Right. What's their motivation? Or they did a bad thing. Is it because they're deficient or was it a mistake? Right. You know, and like, and so th- it's a question that we're constantly always asking. But I do think it does tie to the first two Omen movies, uh, and they do this much better. There's a character that is distressed in both Omen movies because they know that the little boy everybody sees to be an innocent little boy has a rotten soul. Right. And so, you know, it's it's Alex trying to prove that Chucky that the Chucky doll's a murderer. Yeah, and everyone right, goes, right. Hey, it's just a fucking doll. So it is that same thing where people go, it's a kid. And you go, that kid is the son of the devil. They're like, <laughs> okay, you've seen Problem Child too many times. <laughs> but like, you know, it, it, and then... Uh, it's a little bit different as an adult, but I think that this movie was was 
primed to work on that theme some more, but yeah. instead of, oh, it's an innocent little kid, and someone would be like, no, I swear he's evil. It's, no, look at him, he's charitable. And they go, no, he's actually Satan. Right. You know, like, I, I think that that's something that is uh, hardwired into the DNA of the Omen. Yeah. And once again, the pieces of that are here, and we don't, we don't leave it in the oven long enough. Yeah, I mean, it's like I'm thinking back on like, you know, really loving that the first one is kind of like a kind of an interesting investigation of like class. And there's like kind of none of any of that going on in this movie, right? Like there's just not a lot of like thematic undertones to this movie. It just literally is the fulfillment of the mythology that's set up in the other movies. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, agreed. This is and I think that this this got real busy with trying to close off the plot. Yeah. And I think does a nice job of doing so cleanly. It's yes, just yeah. they, they didn't do it as enjoyably as I would have hoped. Yeah, but agreed. they do it cleanly. And I think this is what happens with a lot of movies when they reach their third entry is that it becomes about closing the plot as opposed to expanding the themes or whatever, which, you know, it is what it is. That's why I will always defend Back to the Future 3 because they chose yeah. to close the plot, but really they just were choosing to give Doc a movie uh, right. where he became a character, which is lovely. Um, but yeah, like here it's like, no, we we were promised the antichrist right we will we have to give them we have to give the audience the antichrist and so i think it it races to that um to its own detriment but in a way that i think ultimately is a lot of fun yeah and and gives us sam neil a great role to play like he's so good in this like this movie actually i think very much is worth watching to watch him deliciously play the son of satan you know what i mean as as a trilogy, I think it's solid. It is, yeah, it really you is. You know, it's solid, and I think that this is as solid as a closer as I could, you know, I'm happy with this as the closer. I've got ways that I think I could make it better, but I think that, uh, you know, I, it's not one of those sequels that we would pretend doesn't exist. Yeah. I, I do think that it does suit uh, with, the narrative in a way that is satisfying enough for me to accept it. It's funny. And it, I, it is fucking fun. It that is. That dude on fire swinging, th- like, yeah. that was unbelievable. Just incredible. It's funny, like, I gave both this and the second one two stars, but a heart. Mm. You know, I like both of these movies. I don't um, embrace the hearts. I, I'm, I, I'm so confused. I love, I love using the hearts to just go, like, look, some movies I just can't. For some reason, I just, I'm like, like this is one of them where I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. That's like a two-star movie to me. I can't, I can't really, yeah, I can't yeah. honestly give it more than that. But I liked this movie. You know, I, I used the it, heart yeah. to literally be like, but I did like it. Like it's. You I'm know. so married to my star reviews being about my experience. Like I don't yeah, like yeah. to do objective reviews that I never could figure out where to mediate the hearts. But that makes sense. Now they make sense. It's I only yeah. use them as just like, did I like it or did I not like it? Because I also have given like four and five star ratings to movies that I didn't heart because I just yeah. like uh, that movie. Was it called The Nightingale? Um, the the oh, second man, movie from. Awesome. It's. It is. I gave that movie four stars, I think. Like, that is a remarkable movie that I did not like watching and will never watch again. But I cannot, (laughs) but I cannot say it's like not a like remarkably good, like to great movie. You know what I mean? There's there's no, I don't got issues with that movie. It's just not for me. Uh, Yes, I just, I did not like it, you know? I fucking love that movie, but I'm not so inclined to watch it again. It's pretty hard. But, but but, but anyway, my my point was going to be is like, so like two of the three movies I gave two stars to. And I would actually still very honestly and earnestly say this is one of the better trilogies, I think. Like, mm-hmm. this is a solid trilogy through and through, you know? It, like, it, it, in as much as we're talking about how it's, like, a little disappointing that the only thing this movie does is kind of, like, 
tie up the plot and fulfill the mythology of the other movies. Like it does at least do that very well. I think yes. uh, when you consider that a lot of these trilogies don't even really get that part of it. Right. You know what I mean? Like they don't even yeah, do that yeah. well, you know, all the pieces are back in the box. I yeah, think yeah. you gathered them just right. Cause that's true. There are other trilogies that I would say are individually better movies, yeah. but at the end of it, I don't feel like I finished the meal necessarily. Right. Right. Yeah. And like, so this is definitely, like I said, all the pieces are back in the box. We're good. Yeah. But, you know, it's, yes. but, you know, it's a sturdy trilogy that's just up and down throughout. But yeah. I mean, then again, I had a different experience. Like, I thought the first one, like, kind of blew me away. Yes, the I second know, I know, one yeah. is like one of the great sequels that I've seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so this is just, you know, it's your third movie. Yes. But yes. I agree. It is a sturdy trilogy through and through. And yeah. a lot of great trilogies don't have that to say. They can't say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, okay, so the big question I think that we have to leave ourselves with is, are we going to, like, keep on keeping on? Do we want to watch The Awakening? Do we want to watch I do. the remake? Yes. Okay, cool. I suspect, based on our history with this series and with the Psycho series, that there's pro- we're probably going to be the audience for yes. part four. Wait, let's let's look it up. Um, Here, I, I, got a, I got a computer. And I wanted to, right? Since we are, we are going to do, you, you did follow with the list, right? Oh my God, no, but let's keep talking. Okay, well, the list that we were going to do was religious horror. Yes. Okay, and uh, I said, and one of the notes that I had was the on screen text at the end definitely speaks to the concept of religious horror. Because one thing that what inspired the idea of this list is that the omen, you would think, is a demonic horror. And it's very much not. Despite being about. Right. You know, the Antichrist, it's not the exorcist. It is not a demonic horror movie, despite having what could be ostensibly considered a demon. And um, so we came up with the idea of religious horror. So you, you do not have a list. Right? I straight up did not do this. I'm so sorry. I with the dog this week. This was like a thing that just completely slipped my mind. Oh, no, it's all good. I actually I crammed one in today, but I was trying to figure out what determines a religious horror movie. Um so we'll, and we'll get the details for Omen 4 after this. But I was trying to think of like, what's it? And I was trying to avoid demonic horror movies. And sure. what is a religious horror movie? And so I, I have, I have, let's see. I've got seven here to list. I, I think I can join you in doing this, actually. Uh, like I, I can kind of like on the fly cool, try and cool. come up with some. That, I don't have to rank them. them. Yeah. But the right. reasons why I thought about them. So like the one that was like right on the edge for me was Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, okay. because Rosemary's Baby is a masterpiece. Yes, it is about the Antichrist, and it uh-huh. is about like the process of this, uh, uh, you know, of like the the like the sacrament of creating this child. Yeah. But you know, in the thematic of uh, realm of like a gaslighting story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I like that because I think that there is there is a weaponization of gaslighting that I think comes as a package deal with many religions. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's sort of an intro package to that uh, more so than it is a demon movie. Yeah. So I then like from there I went with frailty, the oh, Bill dude, Paxton yes. directed movie. And so this is a story that is essentially about a guy who sees demons in real life people and decides to murder them. Mm-hmm. So once again, what's scary about this movie is not the demonic possession. It's the, what people are willing to do in the name of what they believe and what essentially can't be proven. Yeah. I don't want to spoil the end of frailty. Cause that's one of the better gut punches of, of that you kind know, of stuff. But it, when you know the ending, that theme drives home even more. 
I have not seen that movie since I was probably in middle school, and I remember vividly like probably eighty of the ninety minutes. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that is a really strong movie. That you're, I mean, the thematic stuff that it digs into in those final moments is uh, a pretty. It's good, exceptional. Yeah, yeah, pretty good gut punch that um, is is kind of you know reflects the real world gut punch of realizing like what you're really. Uh, preaching, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it just makes me think, like, what is my body? What is my body and mind capable of producing with what input? Yeah. And you know, like, like, you know, and I and I think about like even my mental diet. What am I consuming, and what's the output there? And so, you know, frailty shows this output of violence and fear coming from faith. It tweaks it with. Yeah, I don't want to get into it. So, uh, yes, yes. but that got me thinking. So from frailty, I immediately jumped to red state. Dude. I, yes. Awesome. And I figured that would be on your list if you yes. did it. Yes. Um, yeah. Cause red state, that's another one, which now, whereas, Oh God. Okay. Sp- spoiler alert for frailty for the next 15 seconds. <laughs> okay. Whereas frailty ultimately does reveal that this uh, faith that they have is legit and they are killing demons and that's right. so horrifying about it. Red state goes the other way. Yes. Yes. Spoilers ended for frailty. Yes. So, uh, and I think that's frailty's ending if I remember correctly. Uh, I honestly, I, I watched it when Bill Paxton passed and I remember that that's how it registered again. And now I feel like I'm talking, The only, my doubt is coming from how confidently I'm talking about it. Well, I'm my, afraid I have it flip flops. My memory might be that I, it's <laughs> spoilers not- again. Yeah, well, I'm just going to say it's not that it's unclear, but that um, depending on whose perspective we're talking about, one thing might be happening that uh, yes. is might not be happening for other characters. Agreed. Okay, so that that's really what I mean to say. Yeah. But that's the axis upon which the reveal hinges. And, yeah. I, and Red State, Red State, a movie that, um, so spoilers over, Red State, a movie that We've heard about like the original ending idea, which I yes. really would have loved to see. Very fun. But I do think that it probably made the right decision in going yes. where it goes. But yes. Red State is once again the idea of a religion and people assigned to a religion uh, initially because they believe it makes you better. And we see how it can go the exact opposite way. And Red State is one of the scariest portrayals of just horrifying violence in the name of what you think is goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, I, dude, I totally agree. really an effective, effective movie. I, I, I am always kind of uh, clamoring for more people to kind of like either revisit or give that movie a shot. Cause mm. I do. And I mean, honestly, you know, living in the post insurrection world, I, I think there's probably even more interesting things in that. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that movie I think has a pretty clear, Maybe not clear. I, I I don't want to give it too much credit, but there's there's that movie is tying a bunch of American loose ends together in a straight line that yeah. I think is uh, maybe in retrospect even clearer than people might have thought at the time that it came out. I imagine it's sloppy in a way that Kevin Smith at his right. best. That's an appealing thing. Yes. Um, I just liked it because he was really experimenting and he was sort of playing in like, uh, you know, if, if Dogma was made in that sandbox. Red State was made in the same spam box after it had like rained for a couple hours. Yes, you know it was just he was flopping around in the mud, and and it's I I, I that movie's like like kind of fucks me up too. Like that's uh, that's dude, an upsetting movie. It's real good. 
the uh, the sequence where uh, uh, I think it's uh, Kyle um, Gallner is like is. in that cage. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I always think about legitimately terrifying. That is so scary. And that has one of the great like, oh god, they made it. Oh, shot in the head. Yep. Uh, moments. Oh, so good. I know. So, uh, uh, well, I keep going. I kind of went went on a, on a story with it, and so then that got me thinking about, it, and I, I can't say much about it, but have you seen Martyrs? I've not seen Martyrs yet, and it is something I look sea forward Martyrs. to seeing. Yeah. See Martyrs because Martyrs takes the idea of the transcendence of experiencing martyrdom in a religious concept mm. and turns it into a horror movie. Mm. And me saying that does not really give a good sense of how the movie plays. That's just yeah. what it's about. And I can't really say more. Yeah. But then I got to asking like, so then comes the question of like, at what point do you put your foot down and say, okay, enough, we got to bring logic into this. So I immediately thought of Midsummer. Oh yeah. Because yeah. one of the things about Midsummer that's so terrifying is that, a lot of the horror of Midsummer comes from the fact that people uh, don't put their foot down in the face of something terrible because it's, oh, just a religious belief. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And that was, and so in Midsummer, that's played for horror. Like whether or not they actually had an out can be discussed, but there's a couple points where it's like, that's where you turn and run, but they go, uh, you know, it's, we don't know. And, it, and so then it calls into the question of how much, you know, it's the what's the the paradox of tolerance, you know, like yes. w- where that is. And, and religion is constantly uh, fucking with that paradox. And then I just two throwaways. Um, I always bring up that uh, movie Demon. Yeah, um, just because it's yet. a religious movie, but it's based around Jewish mysticism, which mm-hmm. is just a, a, a sandbox we don't often see. And then recently I watched Fallen. I've not seen the, that. What is uh, that? Fallen is uh, from the mid '90s. It is a Denzel Washington, uh, John Goodman, uh, yeah, uh, 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 James Gandolfini police procedural. Whoa! Except the murderer is is a uh, uh, Casey Jones. What is his name? Elias Cotes. Oh, yeah, awesome. Uh, he's he's a murderer that was executed, but his soul is bouncing from body to body. And slowly framing the cop that is chasing him, Denzel Washington, for other murders. Whoa. But he does have to invoke churchy shit in order to fight this guy. Yeah. And uh, it's a really fan- – it's just, you know, demons mixed with a police procedural from the 90s. It's fantastic. It's on Hulu. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, a lot of fun, but it's not quite a demonic possession movie. But it does, once again, play in the world of – catholic mythology in a fun way so that that's those are the movies i came up with so all right cool so i i think i actually have a decent little list here um, right on yeah mine and, was more of a story that i went through as i thought that's it. fine i and i i think that this uh because we did talk about like hey let's let's try and differentiate this from you know just like possession movies basically yes yeah it's um, religion movies yeah and so i i think i've got a good list here that i'll start with carrie is okay, one of right my on. favorite religious horror movies and it ties back to something you were saying about one of your movies where it's like this is one of those movies that's about like someone that believes they have the best intentions in mind with their religion but they are using it for ultimately like horrifying ends right mm-hmm. um and I, to, I that to me is like the theme of religion that i that i i am most interested in uh i am most interested in looking at religion as horror through the kind of uh lens of like the human lens yeah yeah and just the lens of like 
it's mostly a, a tool that is weaponized. It's so rarely actually a good thing. You know, it is like it is so often and easily weaponized that maybe it is just a bad thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I, and I think Carrie is like an interesting movie in that regard. Um, I also listed Prometheus here. Because oh, think that's a great one. Yes. Prometheus is a really interesting one because Prometheus is like about the origin, you know, our, our origins and whether those origins are religious or scientific or as we were just talking about, those things are just mean the same thing and are just being are two different explanations for the exact same phenomena. I had a thought about Prometheus recently that kind of blew my mind, and I'll share it with you. I'm glad Please. this came up, yeah. and I can't believe it didn't make my list because I had this thought like last week. Please. The biggest question that everybody always asks when it comes to the debate between religion and science is the law of first cause. Oh, right. And yeah. so first cause is the idea where you know, uh, religious people would say God created the universe, and then scientific people would say, well, no, the Big Bang was where the universe started. And so they would say, well, then what started the Big Bang? That has to be God. And science would say, well, no, that's just something we don't understand yet. Right. Um, or if you want to say what created God, you know, like what, yeah, what yeah. is that ultimate first cause? And you can chase that back infinitely yep. because it's theoretical. And Prometheus, I believe, is we are watching the meeting of two generations of that question. Right. Um, you know, like where, where there is this, especially with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Wayland. Is that, uh, mm-hmm. the old man? Yep. Uh, yeah. Like he, he's obviously asking these questions because he's old and afraid to die. And he has all the science at his hands to get as much information as he wants to figure out what is that final question of first cause only to trace it back to us oh, just these other science motherfuckers right exactly <laughs> with science that we don't possibly understand that have the yeah. and and we're no even we're nowhere near close to actual first cause yes. and i think that that movie really dances around in that that thematic world in a way that's that's pretty uh kind of deceptively fun totally agree yeah i i'm with you i i i was just kind of like darting around here trying to think of this and i was like prometheus has like very heavy like religious undertones that i I quite like about that movie um i also put the house of the devil on this list um oh cool 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 because i i you know i that is like satanic horror i would say um and and that to me definitely falls into religious horror you know um but i like the way that that movie is playing with satanism in the very kind of classic you know, um, satanic panic, like, which is a very American sort of interpretation of Christianity and the sort of inverse of, you know, this, this, this dark underbelly of, you know, Satan is the ultimate antithesis to Christianity. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it feels like a very, very American. Yeah. But it feels like very American, you know, it feels like specifically yeah. very American, uh, in its interpretation of Christianity. And I like that that movie well, our Something Christianity about... is like backwoods as opposed to like ancient, right? Because you know, like, our history is not as long. Yeah, so like we have like we have like backwoods Satanism as opposed to like Gothic Satanism. Right. Yeah, and I, that movie, I don't know, it hits that just right. Like I've seen quite a few movies that you know play with that and i feel like that movie like really kind of something about it like hits just yeah. right for me. Like it... I don't love that movie, but yeah. I do think that it nails a tone. Uh, really, really, really perfectly, and yeah. it's exactly that feel. Yeah. I, yeah, I know what you mean. I, uh, I that's a movie that I want to like more than I do, and whether I like it or not, it's irrelevant because I keep revisiting it. So I guess, I guess you know, there's that. I, I I've seen that, that movie like five times, and every time I go, I don't know. Yeah, 
that, yeah, that is, but I, I always want to go back. I've seen it at least twice, and definitely the first time was like, yeah, okay, and yeah. and then seeing it again was like a lot more into it. Like the ju- it as a tone piece worked a lot more for me. Yeah. I, I think allowing myself to just kind of let it be that, which is yeah. an argument I don't always like about stuff, um, did kind of work for me. You know, I was like, oh, okay, I mean, I like, you're I'm better than anyone else. That's an argument that I live in. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah, and so that's the thing. I will continually revisit that, and I will yeah. continually revisit the second half of uh, the Autopsy of Jane Doe right, because yes, I, yeah. I am attracted to both of those movies immensely. Yeah. And I just, I have not figured out what, like, I don't think they nail it. And right. I think that, but they're both known for nailing it. And I want to yeah. crack that. Now, okay, this one you might argue with because it's like, it's literally, literally in the title is the thing that we were not going to talk about. And we've talked about this movie before, but I, I, in B, The Last Exorcism, I love The Last Exorcism. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And well, because the, the Last Exorcism is, uh, is like, it's still about the flim flammery of religion to a degree. Yes, that's why I like. Th- that's why I thought this one was worth including, even though it is technically an exorcism movie. Right? Is that it's like, it, it really is more about the like what exorcism means to religion, and and the way again the way religion is more often and easily weaponized than it is actually a thing that is being used to help people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, and, and then, of course, say, you know, I, the, I guess without spoiling, the ending is such a fun sort of rebuke of its own premise in a way that I really, really enjoy, you know? Um, yeah, I, I like that movie quite a bit. It, it exists in like a post-religious cynicism world, because like yeah. if you look at like The Exorcist, like there was there was like, you know, religious figures saying that like a demon would possess you if you went right. to see that movie. Yes. Even. And it was because back then, uh, you know, uh, Whereas I disagree with the notion that a lot of assholes say this is a Christian nation. I disagree with the spirit of what they're saying. I do agree in that historically that has been the lead religious power structure, right. at least in terms of the way the ways of its customs. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, when the, when the exorcist came out, there was a certain idea of like. Like the the demon thing was scary about it. The whole right. idea of like, oh, these these religious guys are a bunch of quacks, uh, wasn't really something that was casually tossed off. And so the the last exorcism can really only exist more present day at a time where the idea of you know a priest doing a video of I'm going to show you how I bullshit an exorcism. Right. Uh, you know, like that's something that 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 would take so much more now. Like that. In the in the era of the exorcist, depicting a priest calling it, you know, bullshit would have been more heretical than any inclusion of demon material yeah. is, is sort of what I mean to say. You know, yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think I just in the way that this movie sort of subverts the exorcist movie, I, I like it as religious horror. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it kind of does divorce itself from that. And uh, so anyway, I include here. But uh, so my big with it, my the, if I had to rank these, this would be my number one as far as this goes. That came to mind right away, I, and I watched. I rewatched it recently, and it thirst. H- have you seen thirst? Oh, the the first time I saw thirst was the only time I saw thirst, and it was in the theater. I double featured that with big fan. Oh no, sorry, big fan was a different day. Yeah, whatever, doesn't yeah. matter. But yeah, that's a cool movie. But I I don't remember a lot about it. So thirst is specifically about a Catholic priest who find there's like a some sort of like new plague or something there's like some sort of disease that they're trying to come up with like experimental treatments for 
and because he's a good Catholic priest, he like offers himself to um, be like one of the guinea pigs, basically, for this. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. But the cure literally turns out to be vampirism. Like, yeah, it, it I do kill- remember that. It kills him. I remember him going up a wall. Yeah, yeah. It kills him, and then he comes back to life with a thirst for blood, right? So he's like literally a vampire, but he's like a priest that accidentally through trying to do like a charitable act becomes a vampire, literally becomes undead, which is completely and utterly against and upends everything that he has preached his entire life. I think that this is like one of the great movies about religion uh, and I think that's because, like, I, I I was, you know, like, kind of, like, in a religious cult for a while and did have an experience where literally in the blink of an eye, like, what I thought I believed in and made sense to me just no longer was true. Like, yeah. I had an experience where just, like, rug pulled out from under me. None of this could possibly be true with what I now know. And so this movie, like, really resonates with me as a sort of, like, deconstructing religion and what religion really means and how it works for people as like a construct through which to kind of like survive. And then, and because of that, it's like a construct, it's a construct. Like it can be deconstructed. That's a thing that can happen at any moment. And then like, what are you left with when that, you know, like what is, what are you do? What is your life when the literal thing that you've constructed it around is just like gone? You know what I mean? Has like completely crumbled in front of you. I think it's like a the movie is like a very interesting investigation of that. It's a complete reality check. Yeah. 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 I just yeah. I, I mean, I I can't say I've had it as extreme an experience, but even just like growing up in like a repressed household. Yeah. Uh, more conservative, more and like just it's weird to become the thing that you're taught to hate. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's something that I have experienced. Just you know. In regular life, and not in a way that that you know, I, I think, you know, I think of myself, you know, victimized by it. But certainly, there's yeah. limitations in my family upon what what we can talk about and yeah. and who, and exist as and who you're allowed it, to be at home. Yes, exactly. And yeah. so and so, you know, it's weird becoming what you're what you're taught to specifically mistrust, hate, and and despise. Yeah, and you know, for a priest to become quite literally an undead being that must kill to live is the ultimate (laughs) of just like, yeah, like, man. Yeah. I am the thing that, I am the evil thing. Yeah, and and by the way... I am the monster in the closet. Yes, exactly. And by the way, it's also like a gorgeous movie that's really fucking weird. It has like... kind of Park Chan-wook? I think so, yeah. And it's it's like, it's like one of the most Park Chan-wook movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean by that? Yes, it is Park Chan-wook. In fact, it almost has like a Jean-Pierre Junot kind of feel to it in some Mm -hmm. of its extremities, you know? Yeah, it's like Uh, got that carnival feel to it. Yeah, um, it's it's a great movie. I think it's like, I I revisited it recently. I would like to revisit it. I I have a Blu-ray that I can uh, lend you if we ever, you know, get on the other side of this. Too late, um, I already ordered it. Yeah, okay. Amazon hooked up to my brain. Yes. Uh, but anyway, I didn't that's... ask for it. I woke up with it. Not ranking power. these, that's my number one. Uh, nice. Yeah. I actually, as you were doing your list, I thought you were going to bring up uh, Demon Knight. Oh my god, I wish that I had, now that you said it. Yeah, that popped in my head, because that's one, like, I, I'm not as over the moon for that movie as everybody is, but, I mean, it's definitely, like, a fuck ton of it's fun, and it's fun. Tales from the Crypt, so... Yeah. I think what bugs me is that it's 
it's not a very Tales from the Crypty movie to have the Tales from the Crypt brand. Yeah, but yeah. I think in and of itself, it's a really cool movie. But that's another one that really plays with the epic good versus evil, operatic, yes. light versus dark. And, uh, you know, but it's not necessarily, you know, any specific Jesus. It's just, oh, you're going to be like, it's uh, doing the, the signs of the cross kind of shit. Yes. Uh, well, so, okay, so, I mean, it's probably not necessarily our next episode, but I do have the Omen 4, The Awakening in front of me, which is, by the way, an unrated TV movie from 1991. So, this, by the way, this literally follows the psychopath. Yeah, I was going to say, this bodes well for us. This yep. actually, because uh, part four of Psycho was quite a bit of fun. Yep. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, it's something we'll probably do in the, in, you know, the next couple of episodes, I would think, just based on how our, our schedule has been going here. And uh, frankly, I'll do There's the an ring. actor in it named Madison Mason. And that's <laughs> an name. awesome name. Michael Lerner's in it. I'm a big Michael Lerner fan. He's a character actor that pops up in a bunch of stuff. Uh, is, yeah, he, uh, is he Mayor Ebert? You betcha. <laughs> that is the most ham-fisted stab at, at a critic I've ever seen. And it's great because it's in the middle of like a stupid movie. <laughs> the, I mean, which, I, which I love. I Don't love that. I love the Roland Emmerich Godzilla movie. I think we've talked about this before, but I do love that the final lines of uh, Mayor Ebert and his assistant Gene are Gene, <laughs> subtle. <laughs> yeah, are Gene telling uh, Mayor Ebert that he's giving him a thumbs down as his job for mayor, and so the mayor fires Gene. And then as Gene walks off screen, you could hear the mayor in the background go, "Gene, Gene, don't leave, Gene. I need you, Gene." <laughs> That's incredible. It's amazing. <laughs> and what's funny is I, I'm pretty sure that that movie probably got two thumbs down. <laughs> yep. Although, honestly, even if I even if if I ever wrote about a movie in such a way that they felt the need to take a stab at me in the movie, I think I would write them a letter of thanks and be like, this is the highest fucking honor. Uh -huh. Get like imaginable. Why do you I'm Mayor that? Ebert. Yeah. You kidding me? This is so cool. You could have actually cast us for this. We love this. Yeah, yeah this is insane. Yeah. I will suck your dick. Put me in your movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So good. Let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. Do some plugs and get the hell out of here. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. I sorry, I'm looking at the director of uh, of uh, Omen Four: The Awakening. It has two directors. Yes. One of them is Dominique Othenin Gerard. Mm -hmm. uh, who is most known for Halloween Five? Oh, that's which I think interesting. I'm going to take that as a as a thumbs up. And then Jorge Montesi uh, has nothing in his filmography that I recognize in the slightest. Me neither. Turbulence Three. Oh, he oh. did Total Recall 2020, Whoa. the sequel to Total Recall that apparently exists. He also directed and it's 44 minutes long. He directed a movie called Birds of Prey in 1985 that has a very cool poster. Nice. And so the people who wrote it, oh, from the writers of V and Poltergeist 3. Yeah. And the writers of the law, oh, no, sorry, producers. Does this guy have any writing credits? <laughs> Only the, oh, well, he did story for Omen 2. He's a producer, so it's probably one of them Stallone story credits, if you know what I mean. I bet this is going to be fun. I think it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, listen, you can find me everywhere at Philadelphia. That's where I'm on Twitter and Letterboxd specifically. And uh, I'm on uh, moviejohn.com these days. I got I got a pitch in there that I'm excited about. Something that should be coming up. 
Nice, nice. Um, yes, so yes, same thing. At Dan Scully and all of the things. Moviejohn.com, Findy.com, Cinema76.com. Uh, check out my other show, Hot Property. It's on Spotify. Uh, it's just goofy shit. And uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Uh, candles. Dumpster fires for you on Instagram. Candles. Uh, keep filling my house with these lovely scents as the lovely Jenna makes lovely candles out of upcycled materials. I'm sitting on one. It is a, a vanilla peppermint one that I made in a Tostitos salsa jar. Ooh, you and know so, yeah, you if you know, got a container, she'll fill it with a candle for a oh, couple yeah. bucks, too. That's actually one of my favorite things that she does is, yeah, she'll yeah. take custom containers and uh, make them a candle. And if you like the container, because they're all like upcycled old antique shit, just bring it back and she'll refill it at a premium. So, oh, you know, it. it's love yeah, it. it's it's legit. There's so, so much cool shit. Um, I think that's everything. I guess I like to movie on all of the things. Definitely yeah. check out our YouTube uh, like and subscribe to that and uh, yeah. tell your friends. Uh, I'll throw two quick extra plugs out, which is that Ron Gallo, who has been on the show before, has a new album coming out. I just pre-ordered the vinyl. Yeah, um, dude, that vinyl looks sweet as shit. I'm going to yeah. order me one. Called Piecemeal. I think it's from like New West Records, I think they're called. Um, but uh, the other thing I wanted to plug, uh, and I've been meaning to plug this for a little while now, is uh, movie movie favorite Pete Steele has his own podcast now called two can play that game uh where he and his co-hosts uh talk about two-player board games it is delightful it is everything that you want from pete Steele in a podcast uh i cannot recommend it enough i've really been enjoying listening to it i listened to it at work today um yeah i threw a plug on the on on hot property for that this week actually oh, as well perfect. yeah perfect. Uh, oh man that's it's i would never want to limit pete Steele to just one calling <laughs> because I feel like that's just like trying to put a blanket on a searchlight. Yeah. But he has found a calling <laughs> and playing board games for a podcast is like, it's like the most Pete Steele thing I can think of. It's incredible. It's very funny. It's more fun than it should be. It's just, uh, it's great. Uh, I cannot recommend it enough Two can play that game. It's Pete Steele's podcast. If you're a movie movie fan, you definitely know Pete Steele and you probably want to listen to it. So check it out. We got to get them on to play like a four player game. Yeah, totally. Oh, I'm also going to be on another episode of Too Fast, Too Forever soon. Oh, Uh, yes. uh, They're doing their Tokyo Drift lap now. So I will be on to talk about Tokyo Drifter. um, Oh, right on. You know, isn't even really all that loosely related to Fast and Furious, but I can't wait. I'm really excited. It's going to be fun. Nice. Uh, nice. All right. uh, let's, Let's wrap this up. My name is Garrett Smith and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully. I'm going to go make some motherfucking guacamole and watch <laughs> RuPaul. And I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because we, we like, like to, to movie. movie. <laughs>